In Rio, Olympic athletes will be competing to stay healthy. That and other stories for the week ending February 21st, 2016. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin. And it's This Week in Water. If you're planning to compete in an open water swim or sailing event at the Olympics in Rio this summer, you're going to have to pack a lot of Listerine and hand sanitizer. Rio de Janeiro's water, which has been polluted for years, will not be cleaned up in time for the Summer Olympics in about six months. ESPN's Bonnie Ford took a look last week at the situation in an extensive report, and while planners and officials promised seven years ago to remove about 80% of the sewage from city water, those initial goals will not be met. An earlier Associated Press report found enough sewage was being dumped into water bodies where Olympic athletes will compete to create high levels of viruses and bacteria. And that has Olympic committees around the world preparing their athletes to cope with polluted waters. According to ESPN, most of the athletes said that competing in the water was not as upsetting as the thought of local people having to drink, swim, and bathe in it every day. A Dutch Olympic windsurfer who competed in Rio in 2013 told ESPN that racers had to slalom through waters to avoid plastic garden chairs, a refrigerator, and even dead animals. He said it was better last December, but he is still disturbed by the conditions. Some athletes are planning to take precautions, such as wearing plastic overalls, receiving vaccinations, using loads of sanitizer, and taking fast and frequent showers after their races. But after the athletes are gone, the people of Rio will still have no choice but to live with the polluted waters. Last week, it rained about a half an inch in Los Angeles, and about 28 inches of snow fell in the Sierra Nevada mountains of California. All of this precipitation was more than welcome, as February had so far turned out to be a bit of a bust. This month is usually the wettest in California, but not one drop of water fell in Los Angeles or San Diego before last Wednesday. In San Francisco, February usually brings over three inches of rain. However, even after last week's storm, the area had received about one-third of its usual moisture. So the prospects for ending California's drought don't look good. According to PolitiFact, an additional 80 inches of rain would have to fall in the northern Sierra before October on top of what has already occurred. While the El Nino weather pattern is hoped to bring more moisture in March, the concern is that the phenomenon will transform into La Nina, bringing hotter and drier conditions. Last week, a pipeline spilled an estimated 1,700 gallons of oil into a dry creek bed near Gillette, Wyoming. The Wyoming Department of Environmental Quality blamed the leak on internal corrosion. The damaged pipeline is a gathering line that collects oil or natural gas from a well to bring it to a processing facility or tank miles away. These lines are different from big transmission pipelines that carry materials across the country. According to the Government Accountability Office, the number of gathering lines has surged with the oil and gas boom, and in rural areas they are largely unregulated. In fact, state regulators in Wyoming only get involved when spills happen, and they have little to do with preventative maintenance. The risks caused by leaking oil pipelines were highlighted last Wednesday when the federal government announced that corrosion was the cause of the spill near Santa Barbara, California last year. That pipeline break caused more than 140,000 gallons of oil to leak, killing hundreds of birds and mammals. Local lawmakers say the problem stemmed from how the pipeline was regulated. Initially, it was under federal regulation as an interstate line because it was intended to carry crude to Texas. 
The part from California to Texas was not completed, but the line was never moved under more strict state and local regulations, which would have required regular safety inspections. At the present time, no one would recommend that you drink water from a faucet in Flint, Michigan. Tap water there is still laced with lead, but it also contains the very bitter taste of irony. A study published last week shows that Flint water customers were paying the highest water bills of 500 communities across the U.S. Food and Water Watch concluded that residents of the troubled city paid rates almost three times the national average. In August last year, a state judge ordered the city to roll back water and sewer rates by 35 percent and stop a monthly service charge. Still, some would argue the rate is much too high a price to pay for lead-poisoned water. The irony dripping out of Flint faucets gets even stronger as attention was renewed last week on the fact that Nestle, the giant food corporation, draws water out of Michigan aquifers at the rate of more than 200 gallons a minute. According to Democracy Now!, Nestle is not required to pay anything to extract the water beside a small permitting fee to the state and the cost of leases to a private landowner. Additionally, Nestle received $13 million in tax breaks from the state to locate the plant in Michigan. And finally this week, speaking of drinking water, we're told we should stay hydrated when flying, especially on long flights to avoid getting jet lag or catching a cold. But what to drink became a hot topic on the website Reddit recently. People who claim to have worked for airlines suggested that you should think twice about accepting that onboard coffee. The EPA began investigating the safety of water on airplanes in 2004 after discovering that 15% of planes tested positive for coliform bacteria in their drinking water systems. By 2012, as many as 12% of the planes still tested positive, but there has not been any reported case of a person getting sick from airplane water. The Huffington Post wanted to find out if the water was safe, so they asked Abby Unger, a former flight attendant and current motivational speaker. She said that while it's true the water tanks are not cleaned, they're filled only with potable water. That water may not make for the greatest cup of coffee, but it's not on safe. Still, when that beverage cart comes down the aisle, you might want to go for a soda or even a Bloody Mary or just maybe grab a Starbucks in the terminal. This Week in Water is sponsored by the American Water Works Association. Sustainable water management means more than just conservation. Learn more at awwa.org forward slash sustainable 16.